Starting recording. Okay, here we go. Like sands through the Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> That's so stupid. All right. All right. Here we go. I'm gonna go on ahead and start. That was stupid easy. All right. Welcome everybody to this episode of Wife's Cast. We are in season two. And depending on if I get the audio from uh, Jacob, this is either episode one or episode two, or maybe even episode three. Who knows? Um, I know I don't. I am your host, Aaron Weiss, along with a new uh, co-host because um, things between Jacob and I are still great, but uh, we just couldn't find a time to consistently record. Um, Jacob's really busy with his internship in Arizona. Uh, he has a great job and is getting his master's, and uh, he's still going to be on the show every once in a while, but today I want to introduce the new co-host of Weisscast. Uh, if you will introduce yourself, sir, actually. Hello, I'm Bryant Stinson, longtime friend of Aaron Weiss, and uh, completely and totally and utterly underprepared to do this. hey you know what i I started this uh podcast underprepared and it shows in the first season so um i think season two is going to be better so bryant uh why don't you catch us up on like who you are and um like what kind of nerdy things you're into and that kind of stuff yeah okay so i am um just a Simple, small-town guy living living in Georgia. Um, kind of have some big aspirations to hopefully be able to, um, you know, work work in the church one day. I think that would be really cool just um, because of the impact and things that it had on me. Um, I am a big lover of video games, like fantasy novels, um, a big sports guy as well. I kind of like dabble with most sports that are american but i am an absolute like diehard manchester united fan um which has been painful over the past few years um but yeah so when it, and when it comes to as all things nerdy i guess i can adequately talk about some of them here <laughs> so, so yeah that's me well cool really looking forward to seeing where um, you as co-host takes us for season two of Weisscast. I think it's going to be a great season, and especially with how easy it is to record on Skype. I'm so mad about how easy it is. Um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be really good. And yeah, so from there, let's just jump right into it. You said you just found an article that's interesting to you. Let's let's talk about it. What it is? Yeah. So this. This started um, this started back in May. There is a really popular really popular youtuber. His name is his YouTube channel is Mr. Beast, and mm-hmm. he has kind of like risen to popularity very recently, basically by um, having his videos sponsored by by different um, companies that make apps and things, and he takes that money that he gets through the sponsorships and he would donate that money to Twitch streamers. 
and mm-hmm. people just like seeing him just do kind things. And so he kind of ended up starting out as being um, popularized because he um, just had this generosity about him that you typically didn't see um, in a lot of YouTubers, at least when it came to their content on their platform. Um, and so back in May, this YouTuber, Mr. B, started a campaign to raise 20 million to plant 20 million trees by the year 2020. This started back in May. And just on Tuesday, this is where it gets really funny and kind of interesting. Just on Tuesday, um, Mr. Beast tweeted at Elon Musk, who was very active on Twitter. And everybody mm-hmm. was upset about Elon Musk. Um, yes. Asking him to join the campaign. And Elon Musk basically was like, yeah, sure, why not? And so Elon Musk actually, he pledged a million dollars to the campaign. And in addition to to that further down in the conversation, somebody, so basically when Mr. Beast asked him to pledge to the campaign, Elon Musk agreed to pledge to the campaign. Then Mr. Beast replied saying, Trelon Musk confirmed. At that <laughs> point, Elon Musk then changed his name on Twitter to Trelon. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that it's still that way right now. That, yeah, I, I saw that and I thought that was a joke. Um, but. <laughs> I think it's really cool that Elon Musk just got on board with like, it was like a two or three tweet conversation. It like wasn't anything. And obviously of course to Elon Musk, a million dollars is like, you know, like 10 bucks for us, you know, like, um, so I'm sure it wasn't that big of a deal, but I mean, the long-term effects of it are huge because they're, um, wanting to plant trees in forests that like obviously need trees. Um, I, I imagine that a lot of the trees will be planted in the Amazon. Um, but I'm not sure where else. Cause, um, for those that don't know, um, the human race is cutting down trees at an alarming rate. And if you also, if you don't know, they're our main source of oxygen. So we're literally (laughs) killing ourselves. Um, And I think it's great that Mr. Beast started this campaign. I know MKBHD got in on it really early. Um, And I think some other big YouTubers did as well. Um, And I don't know, do you know, did the article say how far along they are in raising the money? It it didn't, it didn't say how far, how far along they were, but, there was another kind of funny aspect to all of this. Um, there's a bit of kind of like a CEO rivalry going right now, but it's very like petty when it comes, because at the end of the day, they're both just trying to pledge to help plant trees. Yeah. But, but the Shopify CEO, Tobias Lutke, also decided to pledge to the campaign. But instead of pledging $1 million, Lutke pledged $1,001,000. <laughs> and then on his Twitter account, changed his name to Tobias in quotations Lorax Lutke. I, I just think that this is hilarious. I love the fact that um, you know, despite kind of the level of like riches and affluence that these CEOs can have, that um, while it may be a bit of like a you know, I have more money than you um, at this moment, Elon Musk kind of like rivalry between Lutke and Musk um, that. They're still having a bit of playful banter, and and ultimately, like this, this banter is playing out um, in a campaign that is um, hopefully going to, you know, help stabilize the environment. So I, I think 
that aspect of it is really funny, but the purpose of which it's taking place, the, the purpose of which it's taking place in is um, for a good cause. So, you, you know, I would love to see Jeff Bezos give, I don't like, I don't know how far ahead he is in the world's richest man race. I think it's yeah. pretty, pretty far. Um, I would like to see him give as much money as he can and still be the richest dude in the world. Like just get it. So, so he's only like 1 billion over the next guy um, or something like that. And just like say, screw you. I solved, I solved everything just by donating like $30 billion. Um, I did the math the other day. And uh, for those that don't know, I have to raise my own support. Um, I did the math the other day. And if someone, if someone just gifted me $1 million, that would fund my ministry for 20 years, probably more because what I would end up doing is taking about half of it, putting it in like a 10 year CD. And then that would gain about 2.5% interest, um, per year. And then that would actually end up funding me for about 25 years. Um, so yeah. Uh, if, if you, if you happen to have a million dollars, um, donate at, uh, breadcoffeehouse.org slash Aaron dash Weiss. Um, that would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's just incredible, like the amount of wealth that people have out there. And I think it's really cool. Mr. Beast, like he's never been after the money. He's always given it away. Uh, I'm sure he's kept some of it, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure he's living decently comfortably, but he's never been about like, he's, I think he's realized Oh, this lifestyle isn't necessarily for me. I want to I want to pay it forward yeah. and plant trees or fund these Twitch streamers or whatever. Um, and I think that's really cool. And the fact that people like MKBHD are on there too, um, like he's one of my favorite tech reviewers, if not my favorite tech reviewer. Um, I just think it's really cool that he started this campaign. Yeah, I think it's really cool too. And just like you said earlier, the the whole just just all of it with with Mr. Beast and just when you start you know, when you start out your popularity on your YouTube platform as somebody who is focusing on giving money away opposed to keeping it for themselves, you kind of set a precedent for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and while a lot of YouTubers um personas on their platform i mean it's an entertainment it's an entertainment site so i mean the the people that we see behind camera may not necessarily be almost are never you know who they actually are away from their jobs right but Mm -hmm. i kind of get the sense that mr beast is just kind of this guy who is genuinely enjoying youtube just enjoying being able to have popularity and success on the YouTube platform, which kind of harkens back to where YouTube used to be maybe even like five years ago before it became so oversaturated with people trying to get big. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just really cool that Mr. Beast has gotten big by being generous, um, which shows that generosity is not really a lost art um, on us in the world. You know? Yeah. And like, he's kind of, he's changing culture in that way. Like, he's using his popularity for good. And um, I mean, I'm not saying he's perfect or anything because no one is like, 
it's just cool that he's using his platform to model generosity like that. And I think um, when his viewers see him, they'll probably want to emulate him um, even, even on a small scale. Um, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, that I, I really, I really like that article, and I like just all of this band's um, place. So, wait, what? I was just saying, I like this article, and I like all the banter that's taking place. That's pretty much all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was looking through some articles. Um, <laughs> there, so Red Dead Two is coming to PC, um, and I don't know. You played Red Dead 2, right? Like, very little. Same. Yeah, very little. So, all right, that game got a lot of hype, right? Yes. Um, And a lot of people really loved it. I, for one, despise it. Like, (laughs) I I hate it so much. Um, The the controls suck. Um, The gameplay is just not fun. Um, but people are like the story and I'm like, there's so much better things in games than story. Like, um, if you're going to tell a good story in a game, don't make it 60 hours. Mm. Like I, I would have been fine if it was like an eight to 10 hour campaign with like, so this is why I like Skyrim so much. The the campaign was like what, 24 hours or something like that. It was still kind of long, but, um, there is there are side missions and side quests galore. Like you can play that game for so long and it's so fun and the gameplay is fun to boot. So why not model that? Like I hated the contextual buttons for um, Red Dead Redemption. Um, So like sometimes you would pick things up with one button and then the next time you go to pick something up, it'd be a different button. Um, I hated that. Like, I, I I acknowledge that it's a beautiful game and like the story probably is really good, um, but for me and the games that I like, that it just it wasn't for me. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> I pretty much tend to agree with you. The I think the interesting thing about Red Dead Redemption <laughs> is just like you said, it got a ton of hype really early on. Granted, like rightfully so, I think that the game itself is quality i think for a lot of people when it comes to single player experiences that story is primary to them Mm -hmm. but i think that rockstar went so like they they achieved a level of depth and immersion in the game um that is probably what has garnered it such great reviews Mm -hmm. but the immersion also has to kind of be connected to the way that it feels when you control the characters as the person who's playing the game. And I think that's, that is one of the biggest criticisms that I've seen is that the controls are just so involved. They're mm-hmm. so involved um, it, it, to a point to where the learning curve to not do dumb things in the game is incredibly high. And you, mm-hmm. have, to, you have to spin. It's not a game that you can pick up and play and put down and go away from for like a week and a half or a week, right? You have to put concerted time in just to learn the controls. So it's mm-hmm. not like GTA in that sense, not like GTA 5, which is another really popular game that came out 
I think four or five years ago, but is still ha- has almost seen a resurgence in popularity lately. And that resurgence in popularity for GTA Five and their with with the PC community in their role playing mm-hmm. aspects translated over to that being added into the multiplayer aspects of Red Dead Redemption. So it's kind of interesting that Red Dead on its own merits couldn't keep people interested, that mm-hmm. Rockstar had to rely on the popularity and creativity of PC streamers doing things on their own um, to kind of bring popularity to a game that, you know, came out a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think what Rockstar did was, I feel like with Red Dead Redemption 2, I, I, I've heard this a lot with, um, especially in like the people that I talk to about video games, um, they just don't like the controls and gameplay. And what people wanted was exactly what Red Dead Redemption 1 was. It was GTA in the Old West. And like, I think it's kind of tone deaf of Rockstar to not make that with Red, Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, they could have kept everything the same and just made it more accessible gameplay-wise and control-wise. Um, and I think I would have loved it. Um, but like I said, like we we're both saying, like it's just so high learning curve, inaccessible with controls. Um, it might be different on PC. It might be easier, more simplified. I don't know. Um, but it also has the potential to be way more complex because a keyboard has way more buttons than a controller. Um, but yeah, like you said, with the resurgence coming up. Um, okay, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> with the resurgence um of of it on pc because of these streamers i i mean obviously rockstar is like paying them you know like it's um they've i think they've realized what they did and they're like oh we actually cut off a lot of our fan base because we made this game pretty inaccessible um i I, it might have a little bit of a resurgence on pc but i think it's going to die off just as quick as it did last year yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right about that. I think I think that uh I think that the the popularity of GTA five will see Red Dead Redemption kind of go the way of the dodo, which is kind of upsetting. I actually saw a statistic not too long ago that um uh it was of the of the um games that sold the most copies mm-hmm. in twenty in twenty eighteen. And um, I think FIFA 19 was at the top of that list. Yeah. And which, I mean, makes sense. It's an EA game. They make they make great stuff. Um, well, some people would say they don't make great stuff. They make stuff that gets a lot of traffic um, and have a lot of annual releases. But number 10 on that list was Grand Theft Auto V, a game that didn't even come out in 2018. Yep. And at that point, I think Red Dead Redemption had also sold more copies than it. But the fact that Grand Theft Auto was still even in the conversation just says a lot to kind of like the lightning in the bottle that Rockstar captured when it came to that game. Um, And the accessibility of Grand Theft Auto V is huge, and they're still adding stuff to it to this day. So it's clearly clearly still marketable from their standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when Red Dead, first of all, Another thing with Red Dead is they 
didn't have online released at launch, which again was a big miss because a lot of people just wanted the online. Um, but the other thing is when they did launch it, it still had the same control issues. Like I under, I, I can somewhat understand the contextual controls for single player, but like, there's no reason to have it on multiplayer. Just make it a normal control scheme. Um, make it a simplified control scheme because that's all people want to do online is have fun and dick around. Um, they don't care about anything else. And like, that's why GTA five has been so lasting. Um, I mean, I think it came out, it initial release was 2013. I think it came out for PC and, um, Xbox and PS4, maybe the following year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's not a new game, but it is, it has been consistently in the top seller ever since, um, especially ever since it was ported, but definitely ever since it came out for PS3 and, um, Xbox 360. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder what's happening with, and I think that that conversation can like bleeds into another conversation of what is going on with video game developers. Yeah. You know, like Rockstar have consistently made games that people have enjoyed and loved and they build a rapport as a result of that. And I don't think that Red Dead Redemption is going to hurt them to this to like a large degree. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 will hurt them to a large degree. Um, but I do think people, while they may enjoy the game, they may not necessarily enjoy the online. And I think that's part of the, like half of the reason people buy the game is to be able to interact with their friends in it, you know? And I think that, I mean, Rockstar is experiencing things where their fan base is kind of upset with them. Um, obviously, Bethesda is going yep. through all kinds of stuff oh, right now. That was so, <laughs> like, speaking of tone deaf, that was tone deaf. <laughs> In case you don't know, Bethesda just started like a subscription service for a game that no one likes. Um, but I should say very few people like um, Fallout 76. And this after they had so much good, um, uh, they did so much good at E3. They talked about adding NPCs finally, making it more accessible for people playing alone uh, and all this good stuff. And then they just come out, what, last week and say, yeah, we're going to do a subscription service for like $15 a month in a world where um, games like that it's, aren't doing subscription services. The only one that's still doing it is World of Warcraft. Which uh, just came back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like a lot of the biggest MMOs that it's trying to compete with, its own... Its own cousin, Elder Scrolls Online, doesn't even do subscription service. Like, th this is probably the most, like I said, tone-deaf thing that I've ever seen a game uh, developer do. It's pretty bad. And the, the, and the, best, the best part of it all is the fact that they, okay, if you are a developer and you say you want to do a subscription service, Naturally, a website is something that is in the cards for you to do. Right. However, Bethesda were not quick enough. They announced they announced the subscription service and also did not nail down the they didn't go out and buy the domain for the website. So there was an angry 
Fallout fan mm-hmm. who purchased the domain to falloutfirst.com. And it's just it's, it's just him expressing his frustrations with everything yeah. Fallout. And it's one of the funny, I think it's one of the greatest like uses of the internet I've ever seen. It's just it's just great. So I I don't completely understand the subscription service. Is like, are people going to have to have it to play Fallout seventy six? I think that people will have to have it to access certain things on Fallout seventy six. I don't okay. think that, I don't think that you need it to play the game, but to have certain amenities within the game, you would need the subscription service. Okay. But the subscription service equals out to like a hundred bucks a year, and like you said earlier, people don't even want this. And yeah. things that people do want that require subscription services that aren't even video game related, something like Netflix or Hulu, they aren't even that expensive in a 12-month yeah. period. So I don't yeah. know what they were thinking. I don't know who is in charge of their marketing um, and like the people who are like, you know, casting vision for what Bethesda will do with their games and things going forward. But that person probably needs to find another job in, in Bethesda because whoever signed off on that idea and whoever came up with it, they just are clearly out of touch with their fans, with their concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really, it really sucks, especially because for such a long time, Bethesda had such good rapport with its fans. Um, and Bethesda softworks, their, their game developer. So like, the studio is Bethesda Softworks. The publisher is um, just Bethesda. Um, so as a publishing company, Bethesda had really good rapport with just Bethesda Softworks. And then they acquired so many great studios like Arcane and id. And um, who's the one that develops uh, Wolfenstein? Um, I forget. Whoever develops Wolfenstein. Um, they have so many great subsidiaries underneath them and now their subsidiaries are carrying them when Bethesda Softworks is not and that's interesting because um, this is actually a great transition the best um, the best Fallout game to come out in the last uh, since New Vegas is Outer Worlds and (laughs) and that's not even a Fallout game game. (laughs) Fallout, like, I have a whole beef with Fallout 4, um, and Outer Worlds, I've, I've not played much of it, but what I have played, it feels a lot like New Vegas. It's like, um, so the developer is Obsidian, who made Fallout New Vegas, and they also made Knights of the Old Republic 2, mm-hmm. and so it feels like um, a Fallout game had a baby with a... Uh, Bioware game Mm -hmm. and um, it has probably better dialogue like a Bioware game but it has the Fallout like gameplay and most other things from Fallout Um, and unfortunately I no longer have uh, Xbox Game Pass so I can't play it anymore Um, but what I did play was really fun Um, it felt like it felt scary like a Fallout game like um, like I I felt like I was playing Fallout the whole time, which is a good thing. But at the same time, I was like, I'm not playing Fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Microsoft acquiring Obsidian 
um, was incredible. Probably one of their best moves in the past like few years. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with Obsidian. Um, unfortunately, that means Outer Worlds 2 is probably only going to be an Xbox exclusive. Um, but, I mean, I'm a Microsoft guy, so that's fine. Um, yeah, have you gotten the chance to play Outer Worlds yet? Yeah, I like you, I've played very little of the Outer Worlds, but I really do like Obsidian as a developer. I also am... Um, I was. I think I wanted to play Outer Worlds not just because of kind of what it offered gameplay wise, or just like just in an overall experience. But um, I'm just kind of over this games as service era of video games that we're in right now. Like I'm yeah. done with. I'm and some of them are good. And. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give them that, you know, like Warframe, like the Warframe games are good. Like, well, games like Warframe are good, um, but I'm over like the Destinies. I'm over um, the Division. I'm over Anthem. Um, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just over, I'm over developers not giving people um, single player experiences where they can immerse themselves in a world and a story. And so I'm I'm will I'm more willing to support developers who are going to focus on giving people those things. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that Obsidian was making a single player experience, um, I was on board no matter what. One mm-hmm. because they have good rapport as a developer, but two, um, just because I knew that they they make good games. Typically, I mean their games have tended have tended to be buggy over the over the years. But Outer Worlds Outer Worlds is great. It's fun. It it is almost like purposely kind of like satirizing some of Fallout's mechanics, like the tactical time dilation thing where you can slow down the world around you and um, interact, you know, interact with things in kind of a slowed down time frame. Um, you know, the the feel of the world and all of the things are are very kind of like Fallout New Vegas esque mm-hmm. as well. Um, and even though Outer Worlds, because it's very new, it doesn't have the charm of Fallout, which is kind of so synonymous to what Fallout is and kind of its popularity and culture. So like as soon as another Fallout single player game comes out, no matter the frustrations with Fallout 76, whether people want it or not, people will get that game because there's just an allure to Fallout. But I think that Outer Worlds has potential to to do some to do some really big things and so mm-hmm. I've, I've had i've had a lot of fun playing it up to this point yeah it does kind of miss some of the charm uh, and i was trying to pinpoint like what my negatives were about it and I, yeah i think it's missing the charm because fallout always has like the like the very classic 30s 40s 50s soundtrack um, and Outer Worlds doesn't have something like that, mostly because the setting is not like post-nuclear war where uh, culture stopped developing after the 50s. Um, it's because it's in outer space. Um, and I don't think it necessarily needs that type of soundtrack. I do think it needs um, a more... Um, it, it it needs an identity of its own, which it doesn't necessarily have right now, I think. Um, 
I will be interested to see if Bethesda takes the next fallout um, to uh, like kind of regress isn't the word, um, but take away some of the features that they added from Fallout 4 and even in 76. Um, I think um, I, I think that they'll have to do something like that because I, everyone seems to love Outer Worlds and like it really just does feel so much like a um, <laughs> it feels like the Fallout game that we wanted five or four years ago with Fallout 4. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do with this. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool too. I, like, I, like you said, like Microsoft has so many good um, studios, so many good subsidiaries. And, um, you know, I think there have been some conversations here and there about the importance of having exclusives on, on console platforms. And Microsoft has definitely been lacking a little bit in the exclusives department, you know, mm-hmm. PlayStation has had things like Persona 5. They've had, which, I mean, was just got rave reviews, Persona 5. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man that came out last year that didn't necessarily get rave reviews, but people were very pleased mm-hmm. with it. They, they really, really enjoyed it. Like, it wasn't, like, I say that to make it sound as if it was a bad game. It wasn't a bad game. It was a great game. I think people were shocked with how short it was. Mm-hmm. But, um but I mean, that's something for like Insomniac to be able to build on on the PlayStation platform. Obviously, Last of Us 2 was delayed from February to May of 2020. But that is probably one of the biggest games of like the last generation mm-hmm. Last of Us was. And so um, and so when you look at games like that and you look at the um, exclusives that are on the Xbox with Gears, Halo, um, things, things, and those are two of the bigger ones. You know, Gears Five came out not too long ago, and um, you know, Halo is, I think, is being held off until the next generation of consoles. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's correct. I could be wrong about that. Um, but now with having a really good developer like Obsidian, hopefully, the Outer Worlds can turn itself into a franchise that is really beloved by the fans too. And it will be good for Microsoft going forward. Yeah. Um, I think Microsoft is on the cusp of greatness with first party games because they have so many recent acquisitions. Um, And I think I I actually, I'd be surprised if they didn't uh, come out swinging with the next generation, like just, with all of these launch window titles from like, um, I don't think Obsidian's going to have anything because of, because of Outer Worlds, but, um, ah, crap. Who's the, who's the Forza developer that's apparently developing, um, the next Lionhead Lionhead. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Lionhead. No, no. Is it Lionhead studios? I'm pretty sure. No, that's, they, they used to develop, um, I, I, I need to I need to look this up. Playground games. Playground games, yes. Playground games, that's it. They're developing the next uh what's that game called? Fable? Fable, yes. There I wouldn't be surprised if that was a launch window title. Halo's definitely going to be, if not a launch title, launch window for sure. Um there's they're just gonna come out swinging. Uh they did they buy Ninja Theory? 
Um, they did by Ninja Theory, yeah. Yeah, they're probably going to have a game ready to go. Um, so Xbox Scarlet is going to be... It's going to be good. Per, it's going to be a pretty big deal. And I will very likely trade in both my Xbox and my PS4 to get that, just like I did um, with my Xbox 360 and PS3 to get an Xbox One. Um, yep. Uh, especially if Xbox has backwards compatibility, or Scarlet has backwards compatibility right off the bat. Um, I mean, it yeah. has to, don't you think? Considering the, the how well backwards compatibility has suited Xbox. Mm-hmm. I don't, it, it, it has to. I yeah, think if, I, I think if it didn't, it would just be... It, I mean, hopefully if that would be something that they have from the very beginning. That would just be really good. Yeah, I think uh, Phil Spencer will lobby for that because I know like um, he's been all about treating the fans with what they want. Um, I've seen... I've, I've, I like how under wraps Scarlet has been. PS5, I've seen like renders of. It looks real ugly. Um, if yeah. it's if that's what it's actually going to look like, um, I've I've wanted to be a PlayStation guy. Like I had a PlayStation Three, um, and I just liked my Xbox 360 better. I've had a PlayStation Four. I just like my Xbox One better. Um, and I imagine it'll be the same way with the next generation. Um, I don't see myself getting a PlayStation 5 within the first two years, but I definitely see myself getting Project Scarlet within the first few months, like if not on launch day. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, you know, from there, we've talked a lot about, I, I, I like how we got here. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> just kind of like a train of thought to get so, you. Well, let's just take a few minutes of peace and kind of talk about like what we've been playing or watching or or reading or whatever. Um, if you want to go first, you totally can. Yeah, so I uh, I actually haven't really been watching a whole lot of of new of new things lately. Um, I am one episode into season five of black mirror which came out like months ago (laughs) and so i have been trying to um go through that but i really i mean that series i would i don't have an i don't have a problem plugging if you've never seen black mirror before i would definitely give it give it a watch i mean it's just a really cool anthology series it's not so under wraps anymore i think it's fairly popular all things considered now and um this this fifth season from what i heard a lot of people saying they consider it to be the best one that they've done and when i say they i mean just in general because at one point black mirror was done by itv over in the uk and then um, they just have really interesting things when it over in the UK when it comes to when it comes to cable and channels and how they keep certain channels afloat and things like that. And then Netflix picked it up in the third season and have had it since. And Netflix have taken really good care of it. Um, I think I think Charlie Brooker is one of the showrunners. Um, and I mean, their and their writing is is spectacular and it's. And they, they, 
when it comes to Black Mirror, they they kind of like hide what the show is really talking about behind what they present to you on screen, which I think mm-hmm. is what is most interesting about it. If you're just watching it, it seems like it is a show that is kind of almost like poo-pooing on technology and like what happens if we take technology too far as a society. But I feel like Black Mirror, what it's really talking about is it, it is a social commentary on the human experience when it comes to technology in general. And I think that that is just a really brilliant like standpoint because we are very tech heavy in our world. Um, and so it's relatively, I mean, it's relatively new, the fifth season of Black Mirror, and it's an anthology series, which means that if you started watching it, you could just watch it from the fifth season and you wouldn't be missing anything mm-hmm. at all. You can just pick it up, watch the three episodes that are in season five, and then if you choose to watch more, you can watch more. You can watch them in any order you desire, whether it be by title or if you wanted to watch it in season order um, to see kind of like the how production and quality um, not just in like camera, like not not just in like um, like technologically when it comes to quality, but also in acting quality and who they've had come into the show since then. Um, you can see all of those things. Um, it's just a really good show, and I really need to finish it because I've been talking about it for years, and I've got so many of my friends to start watching it, and then so many of them have now been asking me if I've seen all of fifth season, and I've had to disappointingly tell them that I haven't finished it yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like what, what games and stuff have you been playing? Other than Outer Worlds, I've been playing a lot of, um, FIFA 20, which, oh man, don't even, (laughs) I like, I like soccer. And so FIFA 20 has been big for me, but again, I like the career mode in FIFA 20, but when, but when FIFA 20 launched, um, career mode had a ton of problems, a ton of bugs. I mean, there was like a laundry list of bugs that were drummed up by the community um, that they then relayed to EA, um, who said that they recognized and they realized a lot of the bugs that were in the game, and they were planning on fixing those things, but it took them until actually, I think a week ago, to fix it, and the game came out late September. So the game was all was out for almost like a month mm-hmm. before they fixed um, one of their mainstay um, game modes that over the summer they said they had put a lot of work into to making sure that it was good enough so their community for that game mode in particular would be pleased with it. So you can imagine the disappointment <laughs> from. Yeah a lot of those people when they realized that um, that it just wasn't it just wasn't up to snuff. But now they moved past that. They fixed it. Everybody's happy. Um, hopefully something like that never happens again. And other than that, I've just been playing a lot of player unknowns battlegrounds. Still Classic. still playing it. Still playing it on console. It's still a lot of fun. It's still frustrating. They just released a new season. Uh, they've got to a point now since they've sold, since Player Known Battleground have um, been bought by um, by Craft Union. They've been mm-hmm. they've been they've been bought out, and so they they have got to a point now to where they're able to 
get the updates and the hot fixes and things that take place on PC to come to console within a week and a half. Oh, so, that's nice. So they're much so they're much closer to one another. Um, not just in well, in quality, quality has a lot to do with like your rig and consoles are limited, much more limited than than PCs are. But um, they, when it comes to content, they they are almost like right in step with one another, which I'm sure that everybody um, at Craft Union Company should be proud of. Um, they've done a really good job at kind of putting people in positions of like community managers to see what people want and see what people desire. And they take and the community managers do their jobs well, whether the community managers are for PC or they're for console. They listen to the community. Obviously not like the loud like mob mentality majority, but they listen to the people who genuinely are, you know, if something upsets them, it upsets them because it takes away from the experience as a whole. And so they they do their jobs well. So it's been really cool to see how they've progressed um, and continue to stay in the battle royale conversation when it comes to video games, even though Fortnite is still king. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I haven't played PUBG in a really long time, as you know. Um, I would like to get back into it. I'm actually having a lot of fun with Battlefield right now, um, and I, I can talk more about that in my um, kind of what I've been doing. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give you a chance to like if if you've been reading anything that you want to talk about or whatever. Um, yeah. As far as, as far as reading anything, honestly, this this month for me has been devoid of re- like really a lot of reading. So like, I really haven't been reading a whole lot this month. Not a not I've actually had a chance to think about it, which mm-hmm. is not good and very unlike me. So I need to I need to get back. To that. Hopefully, you've been reading more than I have because I have not been reading a whole lot. Yeah, so I I've been reading a lot because multiple reasons. Grad school. Um, I've been trying to um, just get myself new hobbies. Um, so I've gotten into graphic novels recently. Um, I have um, the whole Dark Knight Returns series. Um, I read Batman Hush, uh, Long Halloween. I have the first two. In the series of the Court of Owls, um, the Court of Owls is good. Yeah, so it, they're all really good. Um, I've, I, I say I've gotten into graphic novels. I should say I got into Batman graphic novels. Uh, yeah, that's what as it I, sounds like. <laughs> I haven't really explored much otherwise. I actually been meaning to get the Scott Pilgrim versus the World series, mm. um, just to kind of like expand um, that that um, that love of graphic novels um I, I started with batman because i love batman so much and i hadn't um I've, i i know about these stories i just hadn't read them um yeah i my favorite is long halloween it's so so good um but i've also i've been actually listening to um the harry potter series um stephen fry uh reads it and is so good at it. Um, I'm most of the way through uh, Goblet of Fire right now. And um, it's so much better for me to listen to books like that than to read them. Um, I am very much an auditory learner. um, And so like the books stick with me more if I'm listening to them. Um, And 
um, I'm writing a couple leadership books for grad school. Um, yeah, so I'm probably doing the most reading I've ever done. <laughs> um, and it's been, it's been nice. Uh, as far as like TV, oh gosh. Um, my roommate and I, uh, Aaron Hargrove have been watching Dragon Ball Z Kai. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> We're almost done with the Frieza anthology. Um, <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, we once we get through Dragon Ball Z Kai, we want to start other ones. I actually started Naruto the other day as well. Um, I of course watched the new season of BoJack Horseman because I wouldn't be a fan if I didn't. Um, I I've seen that. I've never seen an episode of BoJack Horseman. I think you would really like it. Um, the way that it blends comedy with social commentary is it's pretty unique and um it's it's just so good and it's really funny um and it's one of those shows that gets funnier as it goes on um so the they netflix canceled it um they're splitting the last season into two um so the first eight episodes of the season came out last week and the next eight will come out at the end of january um so just to see um bojack's character arc in the in this leading up to this has been great. Um, and I'm really looking forward to see where they take it for the end, the series finale. Um, it's so good. I've seen the show so many times. <laughs> um, it's like, it's probably my favorite show of all time. Um, wow. That's a hot take. Yeah. Cause yeah. you've watched a lot of TV shows. I have good TV shows. I know. I know. Um, yeah, it's it's just so good and so funny. Um, I saw I saw Joker a couple weeks ago. What a good movie! It's so good. Um, but at the same time, I can't say that I like enjoyed it because that just it just doesn't seem right to say that I enjoyed that movie. Um, it was very unnerving. I was uncomfortable the whole time, um, but just like the way that it portrayed mental illness was so, um, I think it was accurate, um, and good. Um, I think the way that they addressed like childhood trauma was, um, pretty, very much needed as I, I haven't seen a movie like that in a while that addressed, um, trauma in the way that Joker does. Um, and, it was interesting because when you kind of did find yourself rooting for Arthur Fleck, but at the same time you were like, Oh gosh, I'm going to not be rooting for him soon. Like there, I mean, he's, he has to be Joker in, um, you know, whatever Batman series comes next. I think they've already announced a Joker, uh, sequel. Um, and there's been a lot of debate on whether actually, this Joker is the Joker, um, or if he just inspires whoever becomes the Joker, because um, Bruce Wayne in the movie was like eight years old, um, and Arthur Fleck was in his 30s, um, and there's never been that age gap really between Joker and Batman, I don't think. I don't think he, and um, 
yeah, I, 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 like I said, I enjoyed the movie. Will I ever watch it again? No, it won't be my idea to watch it. Like I, I've already said, I think, I think um, Aaron Hargrove will be watching it, and I'll just like be there. Like I, I don't think I'll ever actively say, "Hey, I want to watch this movie," uh, just because it was that unsettling for me. Um, as far as games, I. Like I said, I haven't been playing PUBG. Um, I I've been playing I've been playing Battlefield Five. Um, I I think I don't want to completely say this definitively, but I think I'm kind of over the battle royale genre for right now. And maybe I could get back into PUBG, um, but um, like. I have no desire to go back to Apex. I played a crap ton of that at the beginning of the year. Um, I've never really liked Fortnite. Um, I think the one that could get me back into it is PUBG. Um, but for right now, I've just really been enjoying Conquest and Battlefield Five. Um, and I I haven't played that new mode that's in um, Call of Duty that kind of emulates Conquest, um, but I want to play it. Um, especially if there's classes like there is in Battlefield 5, um, because I'm so much of a, of a medic. Like, I, that's how I get most of my points. Um, like, I, I have a terrible KD. Like, I don't even care about my KD. Um, but as long as I'm, like, capturing flags and reviving people, like, I'm doing good in the game and I'm having fun. Um, I don't know if I've told you this, but like I've realized recently that I haven't been enjoying single player games as much. I might've mentioned that in outer world, my outer worlds spiel. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, Luigi's mansion three is kind of breaking that. Um, I, it's just so fun, um, and really funny. Um, I've, I've played that, but, I can't play video games a lot throughout the week as I have grad school things going on and I uh, work. Um, and so when I do play games, I typically want to be playing with friends. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my, my things that I have going on. I feel like single, man, that is... That's so difficult. I feel like I only want to play single-player games mm -hmm. right now. You know, for the reasons I kind of stated earlier. I I don't know. I think that, yeah, that is that that's a that's an interesting place to be at, for sure. Mm -hmm. I love a good multiplayer experience and stuff, and but single-player games for me are like the bread and butter of video games. It's really hard to, I don't know, for me, it's just, it's just, it's harder in my mind for a developer to release a single player game that is not complete, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Other than DLC, there's not really a whole lot that you can put in the game at a later time, you know, but if you kind of leave room to add content, you have to make sure you pad, pad games out well. You know, to make to make sure that you know people are going to be satisfied with what they're paying for, you know. Yeah. You know, 
I like you really liked. I really liked Joker. I think I could go far enough to say that I enjoyed it. It was a very uncomfortable movie, but I enjoyed the fact that they kind of gave this type of spotlight to this character, especially where we are culturally when it comes to conversations about abuse and mental health. Um, I think that it was, it was a very timely kind of like bit of social commentary. Um, and the fact, and you're not the first person that I've heard say that, say the phrase, I don't know if I can say that I enjoyed the movie because of how uncomfortable it was. I, I think like, I think Joaquin Phoenix would probably be pleased to hear that mm-hmm. considering, you know, considering, um, I mean, the Joker's a super troubled character and, and is, yes, is a villain, you know, but, you know, was almost like molded to be that because of all the things that happened to them, you know, mm-hmm. and not having, which is kind of interesting when it comes to kind of that genre. I really would love to see him be the, be the Joker going forward in the DC Cinematic Universe. I think it'd be really, really hard to get him to do to stay on and do that. Mm-hmm. For many movies he would be in. There's, I mean, he, he's already got a sequel. Any other things that he would be in involving the new Batman? Who is the new Batman again? I can't. Uh, uh, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. So, so that'll be that'll be really interesting to just see. Um, but I would love that if they could if they could keep him. If they could keep him in, that would be great. But if they are already having that conversation about keeping him in, are they basically just just xing Jared Leto from the conversation at this point? Yeah, I think they did. Wow, unlucky. Well, at least he still has his music career. Uh, all right, so I might be in the minority, and we'll talk about Joker for a little bit longer, and then go on to twenty questions. But um, I might be in the minority, and I. I liked what little I saw of Jared Leto's Joker. I think, I mean, obviously it was a different take. Um, There's, uh, I think it's canon. might not be, it might just be a theory that there's like three different kinds, three different incarnations of the Joker, Mm -hmm. um, depending on, and he was like the more gangster style Joker, kind of like we see in um, Batman 1989. Um, And, I think that uh, we didn't get to see enough of him. He, like, he was only in like what ten minutes of Suicide Squad, um, and whereas the trailers made us believe that he was going to be the main antagonist, um, kind of like um, Assault on Arkham, um, the animated movie. Like, I think Suicide Squad would have been a lot better movie if Joker was the main antagonist, where. Um, like, I think you could, they could have done that. Like, um, Amanda Waller gives the Suicide Squad a mission. Joker kind of makes them sidestep it. And Batman comes in to fight both, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that would have been an incredible movie, way better than what we got, um <laughs> suicide squad like i think the epitome of it can be summed up with the introduction of katana um just like how bad everything was like colonel flag was like this is katana 
don't want to get killed by her sword. It'll steal your soul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty much right. Yeah, so um, I think, yeah, it's just one of those movies that got screwed over by the studio. um, And Jared Leto got the shaft on it. But uh, it wasn't that much later that he was in Blade Runner 2049 and just gave an awesome performance. Um, Yeah, I... I think that he drew the short stick and just, yeah, it sucks for him. But I mean, we, we have Joaquin Phoenix now, so that's nice. Please stay on Joaquin. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a good actor. He really is. Um, From there, I think we can go on to movie 20 questions. Um, actually, do you want it to be a movie? Do you want it to be a video game? What what, what kind of category do you want? Let's try movie. Okay. Um, I, I probably have... I will probably not get it right, but I will try my best. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, I have the movie. If you okay. want to go on ahead and ask questions. All right. Is it... Has this has this movie come out in the last ten years? No, that's one. Oh boy! Well, I'm already. Well, this is gonna be great. <laughs> has it come out in the last twenty years? Nope. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Has it come out in the last thirty years? Yes. Okay. The last thirty. <laughs> That's like the 80s. <laughs> well, 1989, <laughs> but yeah. 1989, so around it, I mean, okay. Um, is, is it an action film? No. Okay, I don't know that many action films, so that's good. Is it a horror film? No. Man. Action film, horror film. Is it a rom com? No. Is it a romance movie in general? No. Okay. Um, is it kind of like a globe trotting espionage type, which, which categorizes itself as action? But <laughs> is it like. Basically, what I'm asking is, is it one of the Fast and the Furious movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Because then that would have been a breeze. <laughs> Just fast one, fast two, fast three. But, um... oh, man. Is... is it a movie with a male lead? Yes. Male lead, okay. But the and the leads, but is the lead is the lead shared? Like, is it is it like just a male lead or? Basically, what I'm asking is, is it is it a co-led movie, like a male and female co-led movie? No. Okay, so it's male led. That's ten. This is I'm not getting anywhere close to this. <laughs> you get a hint at fifteen. Oh, good. Um, male-led film as far back as 89. Possibly. Could be 
Could be newer. Could be newer. Newer than 89. I'm, I'm not saying. You already asked if it was in the last 10 years, and I said no. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it could be 20, and could be between 20 and 30 years old. Yes. Not... Yeah. Well, but, um, it's not an action film. It's not romance. Not horror. Suspense? Is it a suspense? Is it? No. So basically, there's just nothing scary about this movie at all. Cool. <clears throat> um, that's 11, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is, the, is the lead fairly popular, like even today? No. <laughs> I'm never gonna get this. <laughs> oh man! But is the person okay? Even though, even if they're not fairly popular, are they still currently doing movies? No. Oh jeez. I will say there are actors in the movie that are still doing movies, but okay, not the lead. Okay. Oh my goodness! Um, the pressure—the pressure's on. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like sweating over here. I really want to get this right. Uh, did this movie take place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? <laughs> no. <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> that was a good guess, though, because Jake Lloyd is uh, nowhere to be found. Yeah. Long time ago in the galaxy, far, far away. I mean, we're we're like in Star Wars season, so I figured I would ask. Mm-hmm. Um, is this movie a part of a series? No. So it's just a standalone. Okay. All right, that's fifteen. Okay. Um, your hint is that this movie is simultaneously live action and animated. Wow. <laughs> All right. Simultaneously live action and animated. Wow. Is it made by Disney? Yes. Live action and animated. Hmm. I can't think of any live action and animated movies that have been done by Disney off the top of my head. I I, I am stumped. <laughs> okay. I am uh, stumped. Released April 12th, 1996 to mixed reviews. Walt Disney presents James and the Giant Peach. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've seen James and the Giant Peach. You know, that movie gave me nightmares as a kid. 
Yeah. And because it was simultaneously live action and animated. That just mm-hmm. freaked me out as a kid. Yeah, and so I wanted to say that, like, it's not officially scary, but that was my my uh, experience, too. Like, it's just freaky. Like, the animation's really weird, and it's almost Tim Burton-esque, but it's not Tim Burton. Um, yeah, so, actually, was it written by Tim Burton? Nope. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. It's, it's, it wasn't. It was... It was directed by the same guy that directed A Nightmare Before Christmas, um, which was written by Tim Burton. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not a Tim Burton movie. Um, Apparently, this guy frequently works with Tim Burton. He's pretty much like a Tim Burton wannabe. His name's Henry Selleck. Okay. Um, So, movies like, like he did Coraline, which I thought was a Tim Burton movie. Um. Yeah. So, James and the Giant Peach. Not a big fan. That kid has done. Uh, pretty much nothing since he was in a show called Micro Soap. Um, right after James and the Giant Peach, and then has kind of dropped off the grid. Um. But yes. Um. Bryant. I don't know what the punishment for losing is. It used oh, to you be... didn't tell me there was a punishment. <laughs> no, 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 no. We can we can discuss this for next time. Um, right. But right. There, it used to be a slap. Um, we had toyed with the idea of um, of like Venmoing each other or something. I don't know. I don't know if that would be. But maybe what what if it was just like a frosty bet, like a frosty bet? Yeah, just like. We send each other enough money on Venmo to get a small Frosty. Like, All right, we can do a Frosty bit. But it doesn't have to start this week because we hadn't talked about it. Um, it can start next week. Um, so for next week, you can have the the pleasure of coming up with a category and whatever like the subject is for me to guess. Yeah. Um, but for this week, um, we're going to start wrapping it up. Bryant, where can they find you on social medias? social medias i am on instagram at at bk stinson 08 says s-t-i-n-s-o-n 08 and on twitter at bryant stinson really creative with my with my handles yep um you can find me on instagram and twitter at the weiss's right um feel free to email us at I think it's info at wisecast.com. Um, the website will be updated soon with Bryant's information. Um, and also, if you're feeling like you want to help us out, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash wisecast. Um, we, we literally only need $6 a month to uh, run this show. Um, that, that covers uh, podcast hosting and the website. Um, and we have $1 a month coming in. So like, it's not that expensive. Um, but to get the content up that you guys crave only $6 a month. Um, if we, if you need us to have Sarah McLaughlin sing you a song, um, to make you feel guilty, um, we can do that. Um, but yeah, from there, 
we are going to sign off and show you uh let me see what the guy's name is real quick it is a remix of of the luigi's mansion theme and it is by our boy or girl don't know um it is by our person chemical kid find them on um, soundcloud and from there we are piecing out so peace Bye.